You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. A crisis like COVID-19 affects all business sectors. I think that is trite. But there are some unique considerations that really impact the insurance industry in particular. So how is the insurance industry likely to shape up to the unfolding crisis? What are the implications across the different segments of insurance? And what longer term trends might the outbreak serve to Russia in, especially for the future when InsurTech was upending the model well before COVID struck? Well, to help us understand uh, all of these issues uh, and, and more importantly, how the sector might position itself to become more resilient in the face of this crisis, I'm joined by uh, a real InsurTech disruptor that has seen growth through the crisis, Pineapple and its CEO, Marnes van Heerden. Uh, Marnes, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. Great to be here. Now, I'm sure when you were plotting with your colleagues back in 2016 in your little spot in Rosebank, you could not have foreseen the way the world would change uh, four years down the line. And before we get to the impacts of COVID, perhaps it's worthwhile just dialing it back a little bit because Pineapple really is one of the most innovative insurtech companies in the South African market. What was the idea back then? It's actually not a single idea, but more a combination of various small prototypes. So when uh, the three co-founders of Pineapple started the business, we started with a design thinking method, which is a method that gets used in Silicon Valley quite often, where you just start with a customer and uh, you look at their needs. And from their needs, you build various prototypes and you try to put those together. And essentially, the two problems that we try and pineapple is firstly the trust problem. So consumers don't trust insurance. And over the years, there's been a great erosion of trust that goes both ways. The second problem that we try and solve is the access issue. And the access issue can be broken down into many components. But put more simply, it's just the ease of of buying insurance. So... The majority of insurance in South Africa is still sold via call centers, and we wanted to change that. And the second part of that is we believe that the products cater for many people. So what we've done is we've actually allowed people to insure whatever it is they want in the snap of a picture. So we've done away with the need for bundle policies or um, policies where you need to insure everything in one go but you're more able to insert just the items you need, you, you want to. Mm-hmm. So let's say you want to insure your laptop, your cell phone and your car, then you can insure just those three items. And the trust issue, I think, is important because mistrust leads to fraud often, and that fraud then leads to further mistrust. And there's really no mechanism to address the fact that consumers and insurers inherently don't trust each other. There's also this conflict of interest in the way insurance is done because the insurance company approving claims stands to profit by denying them at the same time. If you pay claims, you also build trust as well. So, I mean, it's one of those uh, circular type problems. How did you plant the seed back then to solve for those issues? Yeah, that's exactly what we tried to solve is that conflict of interest. And the way that we solved it is we take a fixed fee as a percentage of premium, and that's that's the maximum amount we stand to make. And then there's a fee that goes to the underwriter, and this acts as sort of a safeguard or, or reinsurance premium for the system as a whole. And that's just to ensure that claims are always paid, even if there's more claims than 
there's an underwriter to back that up. But the the real game changer is all the premium that's left over after the fees, which is about 70% of the premium, goes into a community pot. And that pot is then used to pay claims. And all the money that's left over in that pot at the end of the year gets given back to consumers. That takes away that concept of interest, where there's, there's no longer any incentive for us to reject it just realigns that trust where consumers know that if we do reject the claim it's truly because it isn't in line with the policy wording and it's actually to protect the community not to to line the pockets of the insurer that's an important point because it, it sounds very similar to a stockfell type model where you use the community and the, the sort of peer pressure of the community to impose some kind of inherent discipline and self-regulation yeah, so there's, there's a lot of similarities to the Stockfell model. I think the important distinguisher is that we've got that fully underwritten component where valid claims will always be paid. And we, from our research, we found that one of the biggest drivers of the bad behavior in insurance is the fact that it is no longer seen as being immoral to defraud insurance companies that's illegal, but a lot from a lot of the research it has been found that people don't view it as immoral anymore. And that's because they don't realize that if you defraud an insurance company, you're actually prejudicing the whole community that participates in the scheme. And that's what we want to show customers, that if you defraud your insurer, everyone's going to have to pay more premium next year. So it's actually immoral. You're not just defrauding some big company. You are actually defrauding all the participants mm. in the insurer. It's another way of uh, ensuring that people, no pun intended, understand the, the risk pooling mechanism that makes insurance work. How has the shift in behavior changed the way that people use their cars? I mean, people are probably driving less because they're working from home. How have you seen uh, COVID change insurance consumption patterns? That's a very interesting question. I think it's changed quite fundamentally from from two angles. I think the first part that it's changed is the consumer buying behavior. And there we've seen a massive flock of consumers who flock to digital and online buying. Because I think there's been a massive acceleration in South Africa of e-commerce where we truly expected that spike to be around 2014. But everyone um, sort of getting comfortable with e-commerce and accelerated timeline has meant that people have become a lot more comfortable buying insurance online as well. And then the second component to it is the change in risk behavior. So from our research, it shows that uh, driving during dangerous hours is down by about 81%. And overall driving time, which is time spent on the road, and that's a combination of less driving kilometers as well as uh, less traffic on the roads, is down by about 74%. So the risk of owning a motor vehicle is definitely lower because the, the less time you spend on the road, the lower the odds of accidents are. Mm-hmm. And that should definitely impact your insurance premium. So yeah, we've built a quite a cool product for that that gives customers um, money back if they don't drive often during the month. 
that, that was going to be my follow-up question because surely you're also seeing some consumers just weigh up the cost of insurance versus how frequently they use their vehicles and saying, well, do we actually need to purchase insurance anymore? How is that impacting uh, the actual purchase of insurance? I think the important thing uh, for consumers to understand there is that there is still quite a lot of risk involved with owning a vehicle. So you've still got your theft cover if your house burns down and and something happens to your vehicle, you still need cover for that. But I, I completely agree that the, the risk in owning a motor vehicle should be less, and hence the, the insurer's product should compensate for that. So I would still encourage people to take out insurance on their vehicles, but definitely at a, at a product that makes sense for you. So if you are going to drive less, have a look to see if there's uh, good products in the market that compensate you for driving less. Um, but just be sure not to compromise on the fundamentals of what you actually need, uh, such as theft cover. Mm. Um, I think another important component is third-party damage cover. So if mm. you're on the road and you accidentally bump into a Lamborghini, um, do you have third-party cover to cover that? So I think it is is still a, a vital part of someone's financial strategy it should take a different form uh, at the moment. Especially if you're driving in parts of uh, Pretoria, close to uh, certain well-known uh, politicians and uh, businessmen who do business with those politicians and your chance of uh, bumping into one of those uh, uber-expensive uh, German <laughs> sedans increases exponentially. Now, what sort of growth have you witnessed in the build-up to COVID and then since COVID, uh, which really plays into this insured tech disrupted type business model that you had been developing prior to the pandemic? Yeah, so I think our timing has been quite fortunate in this sense. We've really seen growth rates that we didn't expect at all this year, especially. We we were aiming for around uh, 200% growth for the year, which was fairly ambitious target, but we've managed to grow by, by just over 150% so far in the first five months. And we just expect that trend to continue. I think with especially the COVID risks, a lot of the, a lot of the brokers in the traditional model, as people are struggling to get to their customers and servicing in the appropriate manner. And minus the, you know, the, the other difficulty, of course, I mean, yes, the business model, um, you, you are lucky in a sense uh, for, uh, for the business model to be really future fit and ready for this kind of disruption. But a lot of that is also coming through hard work, the right kind of mentoring and coaching in the startup environment. You were fortunate enough to be coached by, by two brilliant minds in business insurance and entrepreneurship. Achim Klenert, who's the CEO of Hanover ReAfrica, and Wayne Wheatley, the founder of Parrot SA. Uh, what role do they still play in, in helping a startup such as yourselves navigate a difficult period like COVID-19, where even the most established businesses found it very difficult to adapt to this new world of working remotely and, and having to worry about the COVID protocols. How did you manage that transition? So I think there was definitely a mind shift in that period. I think we were quite fortunate in the sense a lot of our communication was already done by digital channels. So everyone uses tools like uh, Slack, or Trello to keep to keep each other up to date. And then I think the big mind shift 
we had to make in terms of how we monitor performance is just to monitor output for all of our staff. So rather than monitoring time spent, monitor sort of key performance that we can track the, the numbers objectively and it's not linked to time spent, but actually uh, linked to output. I like I like the concept of monitoring output rather than inputs because I think business has become far too wedded to ticking boxes to making sure that well we've complied with X Y and Z in terms of a, a kind of standard framework uh, that was developed somewhere in a Harvard Business School in the 1980s and you're not actually looking at what the outputs are are you growing are you delighting your customers what are the reviews what's the feedback where can we get better and importantly for an insurance tech brand how do we build consumer trust how do you measure that how are you monitoring whether or not you are in fact increasing consumer trust in in this environment yeah that's a that's a very good question so that that sort of builds into that framework of objective measurement that we use and that, and if, if anyone's interested the system we use is called OKR, so it's Objectives and Key Results. And it's actually a methodology that was pioneered by Google. And um, what we do as part of this process is on a daily basis, each team has certain objectives and key results that they need to meet, and those objectives get tracked on a daily basis. So everyone can see how they're stacking up against versus what we set out to achieve. Probably the most telling way that we track this consumer trust is through customer rating, so peer reviews. And there's two methods that we use. The first one is when you've concluded a conversation with one of our agents, you get asked to rate that conversation um, at the end of it, and we track that on a daily basis. And then our online ratings is also extremely important to us. So how are we doing on Hello Peter, how are we doing on the Play Store, how are we doing on the App Store? And those scores also get tracked extremely closely. So I think we prefer sort of an objective rating where the customer can tell us as opposed to subjective ones. Absolutely. Objectives and key results. OKRs. Uh, I'm certainly going to be looking that up after our discussion. And then lastly, marketing for any insurer is a big expense because it remains one of those products that is uh, like um, financial products to help you save and invest for retirement. They are largely sold uh, and they're not purchased in the main. And I recall when you started out, uh, I think you you spent time on intersections handing out pineapples to, uh, to uh, motorists on the side of the road. Uh, how are you getting the, the message, the, the core brand message of pineapple out to market now? There's various ways that we we get it out there. We are extremely reliant on digital marketing. And so that's sort of our bread and butter of getting the message out there. I think we have been extremely fortunate in that our customers are also helping us spread the word in terms of of Pineapple and the service that they are getting. So I think a, a very large part of our distribution strategy is just to leave customers smiling at the end of the day because they will then tell their friends about pineapple and show them exactly how, how mm. it works and how easy it is. I think that's one of the big advantages of us being a digital product is consumers actually 
can show their entire experience to their friends over a dry or when they're at home. So it's quite easy to get sort of that word of mouth growth. Manus, did you see a spike in traffic during lockdown when everyone was making pineapple beer and Googling recipes for, for pineapple <laughs> beer? Did you, did you get any benefit from that? <laughs> no, unfortunately, <laughs> it was something that was considered by our marketing team, but the risk-averse insurance people, we decided to rather yeah, on the side of caution with that one. I think that would have been a gigantic leap to go from Pineapple Beer into uh, Pineapple, the insurance brand at the time. Manus van Heerden, CEO of Pineapple, talking about uh, how COVID has changed the insurance game, uh, how they have uh, responded uh, in kind, and the sort of systems and processes that they're using. OKR is the one that stands out for me. Objectives and key results to uh, measure the outputs of your business because for too long, business uh, has focused just purely on inputs and not managed the other side of the equation. You're listening to Classic Business.